MSW Media. News was Daily beans, daily beans, daily beans, daily beans. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans. Today, a group of bipartisan senators plan to visit Ukrainian President Zelensky. A damning op-ed against the Department of Justice comes out. New data on the rise of white supremacy in America. The DNC changes its rules. And Bill Barr is maybe pissed at the president. I'm your host, Jordan Coburn, and with me today is Amanda Reader. Hello. Hello. AG is not here. It's us holding down the fort. We are holding down the fort. Yes, we are. And we miss her, and she will be back uh, Sunday. Yes, she yes. will be back Sunday on Muller, she wrote, Sunday evening for patrons of who get Monday's beans on Sunday evening. Definitely. How but are you? I'm good. I'm good. Um, yeah. Cool. You know, feeling good. Good. How you feeling? <laughs> I'm good. I'm excited that it's us. Hell yeah. We have a chance again to prove ourselves. Yes. Can we do it? <laughs> we Find out so. next. <laughs> we hope so. On Hot Notes. Hot Notes. There was no banter there. Is that okay? <laughs> That's fine. So uh, getting right into it, late breaking last night when we were recording, this always happens, came news that a group of bipartisan senators are set to meet with the Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky in Kiev on Friday. The group will consist of three senators. Uh, those people are Democrat Chris Murphy of Connecticut, Republican John Barrasso of Wyoming, and Republican Ron Johnson of Wisconsin. Hmm. Yes. All right. Because hmm. it's bipartisan. Yeah. 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 I think it's good. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. I've been trying very hard to find a way to spin it in this very, like, a negative way, other than the fact that this is all bullshit. Yep. Uh, like, everything that's happened but up until this point. maybe sometimes they do work together. Yeah. It seems like, in the grand scheme of things, this mm-hmm. move makes sense. Uh, but this is, here. here's a quote that someone released that illustrates why this is important. Um, the U.S.-Ukraine relationship is as important now as ever. The future of Ukraine matters to the United States, and we must make sure Ukraine knows that we view them as a strategic ally. This was uh, part of a joint statement from all the senators. They go on to say, this is why we're going to Kiev as a bipartisan delegation to reinforce our support with Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky. It's, it's so interesting that they're just completely, they're clearly going against President Trump here. Yeah. I just said President Trump out loud. That felt really weird to say. I know. I know. Usually we just say (laughs) Trump. Yeah. But um, yeah, it is. It is. Apparently, Joseph and Murphy, they actually already traveled to Kiev last year to meet with Zelensky. So Mm -hmm. that's one Republican and one Democrat. Right. Um, And I don't remember that news coming out. I'm sure we reported on it or yeah, maybe I just missed it. So it's an effort. It's part of an ongoing effort to try to ensure that there's bipartisan support working towards a strong relationship with Ukraine. In the wake of impeachment, because a lot of damage has been done. Yeah. It's kind of like it's kind of like the people pleasing nice kids who are trying to soothe the nerds after the school bully, you know, <laughs> yeah, roughs them up a little. Yeah, yeah, it's... mean it. We'll be your friend. Yeah, you can have some of my lunch. Yeah, <laughs> that's very nice of you. I could tell you were the person that would share your string cheese, <laughs> which is probably the best thing to share. Mm, you could cheese. split it up and do a million different pieces. <laughs> But, yeah, I think 
you know, I said they're going there in the wake of impeachment, but mostly they're, yeah, I mean, they're also going there in the wake of us withholding aid from them. Right. Which is the big thing. Mm-hmm. Yes, for $100 million. That number was $400 million. $400. Well, that's no big deal at all. $400 million uh, in security assistance to Ukraine. No big. That number will be seared in all of our brains. Uh huh. Um, but yeah, so they, they're, they're trying to, you know, kind of mend what would seem as a very frayed and not trustworthy relationship that exists between Zelensky and Trump and mm-hmm. Giuliani, who's constantly pestering them. Um, I think, uh, let's see, Chris Murphy told supporters they might talk about security aid. That would make sense. Uh, and economic support moving forward. So what the landscape of those two things looks like, probably mm-hmm. just, I imagine, reassuring that it will continue. Yep. Uh, it will continue to flow. The Democrats said, that Democrat, I'll sound derogatory. Uh, Murphy, <laughs> <That> Democrat. <laughs> Murphy said that it would be like pretty much impossible for him to go over there and to not reassure Zelensky that he thinks Giuliani's an idiot and mm-hmm. you know so do most people and basically apologizing for the fact that he has to deal with this guy meddling around in Ukraine um I don't know how much the Republicans that are going are going to sign off on that mm-hmm. I don't know Republic like Republicans range in their response to it some of them think everything was fine and it was a perfect phone call mm-hmm. others think it was just kind of you know some unfortunate missteps but it's not impeachable and one that it was impeachable mm-hmm. and removable uh, but here's uh, here's another another quote that was good. One way to make clear that Ukraine is not a political football is for a bipartisan group of senators on opposite sides of the impeachment vote to go see Zelensky and to convey support. I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't raise the danger of Giuliani's continued overtures. <laughs> continued overtures. <laughs> that makes it sound like it's an opera. <laughs> That's the episode title for today. Yes. Continued overtures. Oh, such a beautiful way to describe such a shit show. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, okay, he says, So I'm sure that we will talk about the need to keep U.S.-Ukraine policy separated in the 2020 election. That's obviously the issue I raised with him in September. It goes without saying at this point, Zelensky knows which side of the line to stay on. So that was all Murphy, the Democrat. Not any quotes in there for Republicans. <laughs> I would love to know what's really going on inside their brain when they're over there. But I don't know. What do you think about this trip? Do you think it's like generally a good thing or do you think it's too soon or are you just like fine with it? I don't know. I mean, I mean, it seems like at least from what we're hearing, their heart is in the right place. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would want some reassurance after everything that's gone down that the U.S. was still... Because here's the thing. Yeah, a lot absolutely. of these a lot of these Congress people will outlast Trump, we hope. <laughs> God, yeah. We hope. Um, so I think it's advantageous for them to build a good relationship with them. Yeah. It, it also seems... My first thought was kind of like, isn't it like primarily someone else's job to do this? And it's sad that it, it is primarily someone else's job to do that, you know, like mending foreign relationships. But because Trump treats that office mm-hmm. and all of those offices like a big ass golden mm-hmm. plated piece of shit revolving door it's it's like at this point we have like nine foreign policies you know we mm-hmm. have like well i mean at least three we have right. we have the public one trump puts out we have the shadow foreign policy that trump's cronies are orchestrating and then we have senators and congress people running around desperately trying to placate and soothe you know other countries based on how trump and trump's shadow foreign policy is is playing out mm-hmm. you know so yeah. it's a good time right good yeah. times yes and i really really hope that whatever the senators are saying is like directly coordinated with whatever resembles a normal representative on the diplomacy side right like any sort of ambassador positions or someone that's not a fucking idiot 
Indeed. Yeah. Uh, okay, next. Um, Chuck, Ros- Chuck Rosenberg, he's a former uni- U.S. attorney, senior FBI official, and acting head of the DEA, wrote a really powerful opinion piece in the Washington Post that illustrates just how grave of a departure from critical established norms the DOJ's decision to effectively overrun prosecutors and lessen the sentencing recommendation in Stone's case was. That was a very long sentence that I wrote. <laughs> <laughs> My apologies. Uh, Rosenberg, he dives into the damage this move has done to the Justice Department, a department that he says must always have two things going for them. Those two things is that their work must be fair and their work must be perceived as fair. If you lose either of those, uh, you lose the trust and the faith of the citizenry. And this is it was a great piece. So I'm going to read just a chunk of it here. Mm, Please do. Okay, let's try this again for a final time. The podcast is out, and the jokes are aside. This is very important. Okay, it, <laughs> it really, it really is. Um, again, quote, The rule of law is a construct. It was made by people and is nurtured and preserved by people. And unlike the law of gravity, which works everywhere and all the time, at least on this planet, the rule of law is precious and fragile. As citizens and prosecutors, we either safeguard it or we surrender it. That's the choice. What political leadership did here, mandating a favor for a friend of the president in line with the president's publicly expressed desire in the case, significantly damages the rule of law and the perception of Justice Department fairness. End quote. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Rosenberg also reminisces on when he was working at the department and what that was like. And he really uh, he describes the dynamic of nonpartisanship throughout their work and... He kind of questions rhetorically why it's changed. Mm-hmm. He doesn't really go into um, exactly why I think he thinks it's changed. Just he talks about what has changed and what that means that it has changed. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, before he's saying he's saying you know there was no talk of he didn't even know who his coworkers voted for. He didn't even know if they voted. Period. Yep, and it's, it's become a more politicized environment. Yeah, like super politicized. Yep. People knowing who voted for who and who likes who and whatever. And mm-hmm. and it's like pretty detrimental, he's saying, to their ability to work together. And the morale. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the morale. And, and uh, first off, it makes me wonder how they were able to maintain that before, mm-hmm. previously. And then it also makes me wonder why it's lost now. Well. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. guess like existentially, like why it's lost. Yeah, I mean, I think that's one of the more tragic things to come out of this era is that, you know, his divisiveness has worked, mm-hmm. you know, we it, it's harder to be friends or coworkers or family with people in this time when we are so divided politically, where you feel like when someone is across the aisle from you or voted for the other person, they are, you know, personally harming you and people around you. Mm-hmm. And it's really... It's it, and it, we both I think both sides feel that way to some extent, mm-hmm. you know, and so that's that's the scary part about the time that we're in. Yeah. And it, it makes professionalism in any in both, prof, you know, both in the private and public sector to be damn near fucking impossible. At this yeah, point. definitely. Yeah. And I'm, I'm curious to see your opinion of this because mm-hmm. you've seen different parliamentary systems mm-hmm. and things other than just a two party system. But that's when I when I think about like. Like, really, really, why is it this bad that it's starting to seep into every institution of government? I I feel like the two-party system kind of makes these things inevitable over time. It because exacerbates them. It, yes, mm-hmm. because the, the, way that, the way that votes go, right, like in mm-hmm. congressional elections, um, 
and how polarized they are. It's really only a matter of time before the meaning of the word patriot got co-opted and twisted by all these wolves in sheep's clothing. And they pushed the button that nobody else was willing to push, which was to completely abuse a system that allowed you to effectively take complete control Mm -hmm. over it if you just promise to always vote together, like literally no matter what. Mm -hmm. And they had all lied to people so much and so often that no one pushed back when they when they did that mm-hmm. and everyone's like giving explanations for votes that they make that they don't believe mm-hmm. you know but it's like the the way that the party machine works it's it's so it seems so inevitable whereas i feel like and i hate for this to seem like a pointless rant mm-hmm. like against a two party system i realize it's kind of like a heady thing to really be concerned about at this point in time in history but i can't help but wonder if it wasn't possible to get like so easily a simple majority and have so many laws that only require a simple majority or, mm-hmm. you, or you know, like, you know, for it to function essentially as a party dictatorship. I will say that, you know, as someone who's experienced more multi-party party systems, it's not that people in other countries where there are more parties aren't still divided on issues, bitterly divided, that of mm-hmm. course that's a thing. But, I, you know, I will say I have voted for, in Canada, three different parties yeah you know none of them the right-wing party yeah um and in the uk i voted for also for two different parties so um i i you know growing up in canada with several parties who all had at least some things in common with me Mm -hmm. i voted for different for different parties at different times for different reasons and i and it made i think that you know it made us some it is somewhat less divided in that sense mm-hmm. it's not like left versus right good versus evil right. it's so it's it's such a stark us versus them mentality whereas i feel like having multiple parties each slightly different from the other it, it makes the tribalism it's not necessarily better it's just different different yeah or it really seems like it makes it just less effective like less prone to take over i mean we have to we have to work together on stuff when you have you know three four five parties all vying you know all are all fighting over the same stuff you have to try to find some compromise yeah Right. I feel like I also get a lot of tweets and emails when I talk about Canadian stuff. I haven't lived there in 10 years, so please forgive me. When I talk about Canadian law or or parliamentary stuff, I get a lot of emails being like, didn't you know, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, guys, I literally haven't lived there in a decade. Please cut me some slack. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I won't give you any slack because I don't know shit. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Really bad Canadian. Everybody loves you, Amanda. (laughs) Um, Yeah, that's very interesting to think about. But then outside of kind of coming back down to earth and where we are right now yeah. and not in a position to too mm-hmm. heavily contemplate getting out of a two-party system. We need to get out of the shit show we're in right now. Yeah. Uh, coming back to that, I think the answer is obvious. It is that Republicans will stop at nothing and there is a system that you can potentially abuse how it is all written and exists mm-hmm. and they are abusing it and Democrats have not abused it and Republicans have. And now that is why we are here. And they lie to everyone and they say whatever the fuck they want to get whatever they want. And that's why white supremacism is on the rise. That's why all of really every single thing that relates to bigotry is on the rise. The AG leaves for one day and we're like, burn it all down. <laughs> oh God. Burn it all down. You know what's funny? It's Valentine's Day. That's true. It's going to be Valentine's Day when this airs. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, you'll. I think you'll see we have a lot of stories today that are that I think warrant a lot like 
of like wider reflection. It was yeah. kind of um, mm-hmm. like a relatively slow news day. Um, we also have some good news stories later. We do have good mm-hmm. news stories. Yes. Okay. Let's let's start creeping towards the good news. Unfortunately, on the other side of the break, it is some not good news. But uh, we will get to the good news eventually. Uh, we'll be right back. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hi, friends. This episode of The Daily Beans is brought to you by Laurel Springs. Laurel Springs is an accredited online private school for students in kindergarten through 12th grade. Laurel Springs recognizes that each child is a unique individual with their own personal interests, special talents, and unique learning style. Their flexible learning program offers challenging and diverse elective courses in an online format that allows students to optimize their routine so they have more time to focus on the things they love. Laurel Springs is accredited by the Western Association of Schools and Colleges and Advanced Ed, which means their transcripts are recognized by colleges and universities worldwide. I love how accommodating the Laurel Springs online program is. It's designed for students who wish to grow and excel academically and personally while maintaining a flexible schedule. Their personalized approach is competency-based and asynchronous, meaning students have the opportunity to progress through material at a pace that honors their individual skills and knowledge. This approach also allows students to adapt their schedules to coordinate with outside interests. They also offer rolling enrollment, which allows students to begin work at any time of the year. I think Laurel Springs improves the academic experience of the modern student with this flexible approach to find the best way to prepare them for success. Register your child at laurelsprings.com slash dailybeans today and receive a waived registration fee. That's laurelsprings.com slash dailybeans for your waived registration fee. laurelsprings.com slash dailybeans. All right, welcome back. Our next story is not a great story. Uh, It's on the topic (laughs) of bigots and racists, kind of continuing with what we were talking about before. The break. New data shows that U.S. white supremacist propaganda incidents rose 120% in 2019. And coincidentally, I think the reason for that is very tied to the lies and abandonment of principles and politics that we were just talking about. This is the second year in a row that those incidents have more than doubled. It was also reported that white supremacist events dropped by 20 percent, which is interesting. Apparently, uh, the reasons for that are speculated to be fear of public backlash. So propaganda is going up immensely. Events are going down slightly, which to me is like actually a lot more alarming i wonder if that's like a clamp down though on certain cities stopping them from organizing yeah maybe you know yeah maybe that uh, or also yeah i mean it seems to me when propaganda goes up but public appearances go down they're retreating into the planning underground shit in the seriously lair. yeah and then they're in the network that they have is more like communications based mm. which means they're growing currently mm. and recruiting an unsavory thought yes it is and i think that's what that means mm-hmm. um christopher ray last week director of the fbi came up to publicly acknowledge again that um i mean they've done it in the past just they failed to take like a very strong stance on this but the fact that domestic terrorism is just as much of a threat mm-hmm. as any other kind of terrorism white supremacy domestic terrorism specifically yeah. is is a, it's like our number one national threat right now mm-hmm. is coming from the inside yeah so they're acknowledging that. Hopefully that means more funds will be diverted to fighting it. Yeah, young women are getting radicalized every day. Every day. A lot. And mm-hmm. it's, yeah, more than they're putting more than twice the effort in to do it every year as each year goes by. Uh, the ADL said in a statement, the barrage of propaganda, which overwhelmingly features veiled white supremacist language with a patriotic slant, 
is an effort to normalize white supremacist message and bolster recruitment efforts while targeting minority groups, including Jews, blacks, Muslims, non-white immigrants, and the LGBTQ community. Um, there's 90% of all incidents that came from three groups alone. Those groups are called Patriot Front, American Identity Movement, and the New Jersey U- European-, European Heritage Association. Mm. Yeah. I'm sure all these groups were thrilled that um, an old Jewish man, a gay veteran, and a woman came in the top three in the yeah. latest primary right. in New Hampshire. Yeah, that's a really scary thing about change and when stuff ultimately gets better, the people that don't want it get even angrier. Yep, yep. Which I don't know. Yeah, that's then it just becomes like we're just like in a I don't want to say the word war, obviously, but oh, some kind of battle that is terrifying and could end very badly. Loki, but we're going to use our votes. Yes. As always. Yes, very much so. And the rule of law. Yes. And start... Bringing it back on Earth. <laughs> as soon as we can get the DOJ back, too, we can actually start prosecuting racists and prosecuting these like mm-hmm. people for who they are, which are just... Yeah, insanely racist. Yes. (laughs) And start attacking the networks that indoctrinizes people. Yep. And all of that stuff. And it could start being treated like the crisis it really is. Mm -hmm. But probably not for a little bit. And I think we can expect this rise to continue, hopefully. But hopefully not at the same rate. I think Ray coming out and, you know, officially saying that that's something that the FBI incredibly needs to focus on right now is... Part of me wonders if Trump was like, don't release that report. Yeah. <laughs> don't right. draw attention to it. Yeah. Anyway. I mean, it's just like these Republicans say all of these inflammatory things mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to like incite their base and then their base eats that shit up, mm-hmm. wants more of it. In turn, that makes the politicians taking that shit raises the, it to the, like a higher degree. It's mm-hmm. just this horrible feedback loop of like what the worst shit you can drum up and feedback spew loop is. Bullshit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's really fucking bad. Uh, Next story. Yes. <laughs> Do better, America. <laughs> this is terrifying. Talk to your kids. Donate to anti-hate groups. Let's start steering the ship. We can take this ship back. Um, okay, next story. <laughs> <laughs> Starting to get a little bit less heavy Are you here. feeling some existential dread today, Jordan? Jordan? I am. Yeah, I can tell. I ever, That's okay. Ever since the stone shit, yep. I'm like, in, I'm having a tough time. Yep. I am thinking like really like politically dark thoughts Mm -hmm. or not. I mean, dark. I believe we can come out of it and we Mm -hmm. are on the way to coming out of it. I believe that. Mm -hmm. But like this is such a fucking come to Jesus moment. Yep. Like we are. I think it's I think it's okay that you feel this way, by the way. I'm sure a lot of listeners share in your existential dread. I think it's important actually that we talk about it and acknowledge it and i think it's okay for us to feel this way sometimes yeah but i think that for you know for your own mental health and for everyone's mental health you just have to keep looking ahead and yes. keep and and but being aware is important right you mm-hmm. can't take action in the way that you need to and use your voice in the way that you need to if you're not acknowledging how bad it is yeah right totally. so it's like you have to acknowledge how bad it is to get off your ass mm-hmm. you know that's why i've been out canvassing it's part of the reason why i work on this show and i know it is for you too so mm-hmm. it's like it is okay that you feel this way. Yeah. I think it probably helps other people to acknowledge how they feel too. Yeah. Um, and I just hope everyone, if you can give money right now, 
yes. to to your candidate Anyone. of choice or your nonprofit of choice or what the fuck ever. Do it. If you have time, do it. Yep. You know, I've been texting, calling, knocking on doors, um, and it's been super meaningful. So mm-hmm. might help with your dread too. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I uh, ang- anger and and depression is kind of what comes out. But on the flip side of that, that you know, I don't, I guess, express you too up. much on this podcast. Yeah, I'm just like. I am fucking, yeah, I'm donating as much money as I can. Like, just, let's fucking go. Yes, like ready, mm-hmm. ready to fight. Because mm-hmm. this is like truly a fight yep, at this point. Uh, All right, next story. Okay, <laughs> the DNC um, has, in the middle of the race, by the way, this this story came out like a week ago, but mm-hmm. we didn't really cover it too much. So, um, And it's coming up again today. Uh, because you'll see why. So the the DNC in the middle of the race changed the qualification rules for the debate stage, in that um, candidates. This was only announced. This was announced a week ago. But candidates now don't have to worry about a grassroots donor requirement, which is it's basically there to benefit Bloomberg. That's really all yeah. this seems to be. Absolutely, it is. <laughs> and that's very tough. Mm-hmm. That's super, super, super tough because some are now thinking, mm-hmm. you know. Really looks like they were doing whatever they could just to get Bloomberg on. And Mm -hmm. it's especially bad. I think this is really going to angry the other bases, first off, who got to the stage based on the old set of rules, the bases of all the other candidates. It's especially going to piss off the progressive front Mm -hmm. because it's just another example of money winning politics, essentially. Yep. But it's especially enraging to the candidates and supporters that are not on the de- or uh, supporters of the candidates and the mm-hmm. candidates that aren't on the be- the debate stage because of the old rules like mm-hmm. Kamala and Booker who dropped out like what the because fuck? they right they're changing the rules now that's so you know, fucked up it's really fucked up it's really hard too because I have seen some posts and tweets from people saying you know you, like Bloomberg is the worst of them all he's he's this he's that and, and you know and and you know I we actually, I saw a tweet from someone who was like you should denounce him on your podcast. It's tough because I think that everybody who works on this show is in a vote blue no matter who place. Yeah. No, no matter how we feel about any of the candidates or even no matter how we feel about who we support each other. Uh-huh. You know, like, so it's tough because to draw distinctions between the Democratic candidates that are running while not trashing anyone to the point of people not supporting them in mm-hmm. the general, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's tough. I mean, I, it is tough. I get it. It seems unfair that this is happening and it's fucked up. Yeah, it does seem very unfair. And there's like, well, I think Elizabeth Warren being the badass she is called DNC out directly in a statement that she put on Twitter. Uh, She said the DNC didn't change the rules to ensure good diverse candidates could make, uh, could remain on the debate stage. They shouldn't change the rules to let a billionaire on. Mm -hmm. Billionaire shouldn't be allowed to play by different rules on the debate stage in our democracy or in our government. So it's a very badass mm-hmm. Elizabeth Warren-like response. Doesn't oh, yeah. call Bloomberg out directly, but it is obviously about Bloomberg. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the DNC is just really fucking up. Yeah. And earlier in the race, the DNC refused to make debate requirement changes for any one candidate, they said. Um, and that was when it was suggested that they needed to make the field more accessible to diverse candidates. Yeah. So when they wanted to make, when rule changes were proposed that were actually going to make it more diverse mm-hmm. and accessible, they said no. Mm-hmm. And now it totally looks like they're doing that for Bloomberg. Right. And they're trying to say, oh, we're doing it so that more so, candidates can enter. I know. So it's like we we lost all of the candidates of color in the race. Yes. And, but we're going to let Michael Bloomberg on stage. Yes. Yeah. That 
really seems to be like exactly what is happening. And uh-huh. I'm having a very hard time interpreting it any other way. It's tough because I do understand some people's perspective of like, yeah, he may be trying to buy the election, but at least he's not a bad guy. Like, at least he's doing this for the good of the people. And like, I can understand that argument. But at the same time, this is so blatant. These rule changes are so blatantly in favor of him after them hurting other people yeah. in the race. It just, I don't know. Yeah. I got complicated feelings about that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I also found out that superdelegates are actually still a thing, despite people thinking they weren't. For like a tie. Yeah. So yeah. at the convention, um, they exist. Like if, if it's close, the superdelegates will still be used. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. The DNC just really needs to fix their shit. Because I think mm-hmm. a lot of people like are mad at them, like mm-hmm. a lot. Yeah. And I know it's hard to be the, you know, like the organization behind a party. Yeah. I imagine that's very difficult. Absolutely. Can't make everyone happy. Right. Yeah. But also, maybe you could make a little bit less people unhappy. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Yeah. What else you got for me? But yay. I support whoever's the candidate. Straight up, you guys. And I fucking mean that. Seriously. Yeah. Whoever the fuck it is. I just got really intense because I I remembered a tweet I saw of someone that was, yeah, whatever. We don't need to talk about it. Anyway, everyone, support the candidate. Yeah, it doesn't fucking matter. Yes. That is all we need to do. Um, Okay. And finally, Bill Barr told ABC News today that Trump has never asked him to do anything in a criminal case, uh, but he shouldn't tweet about the Department of Justice because the tweets make it impossible for him to do his job, (laughs) he says. Uh, This is a direct quote. I think it's time to stop the tweeting about Department of Justice criminal cases, end quote. Uh, He told that to an ABC News chief justice correspondent, Pierre Thomas. Um, (laughs) I love that even his closest allies and closest friends are like, dude, fucking stop with the tweets. Yes. Well, this is interesting that Barr's coming out and saying this, right? Because everything up until this point has seemed like Barr was willing to go above to the line, on the line, and over the line Mm -hmm. of what is acceptable for an attorney general to do Mm -hmm. for their president, as Trump would like to phrase that. Mm -hmm. Um, But some people are interpreting this press appearance essentially in a lot of different ways some people are thinking oh wow that's that's rare you know that he's criticizing him but then others are thinking well this looks just like a calculated pr stunt to make it look like it wasn't trump Mm -hmm. who told Barr to do this you know because he's saying i mean that's exactly what he said trump's never told me anything to do but he should stop tweeting if you can create some kind of like pseudo criticism to make it look like he's actually criticizing Trump in some way, mm-hmm. then maybe their end game was for that to sort of install some kind of faith that the system wasn't completely oh, rigged God. from the top down. I hadn't even thought about that way, but you're right. Yeah that's, yeah, that's what some people are saying. But then to me, all I heard was Barr saying, Trump should shut up so I can keep doing my job, which is to please the president. Like, that's essentially all he said, which is actually kind of sort of like a walking through the front door You're approach I making think making it harder for me to do what you want yes because you won't be quiet right cool exactly <laughs> like even in the reality that exists and that mm-hmm. trump is telling him what to do his mm-hmm. statement of saying he should stop tweeting it makes my job harder mm-hmm. is a true statement like mm-hmm. in that in that reality he is making it harder for him to do his bidding that's essentially all he's saying is <laughs> like i can't i can't Throw off the scent, you know, when you're like right on my heels all the time. Get the fuck off. And he just said that publicly, basically. Cool. Yeah. But I don't know. Maybe it was calculated. Maybe it wasn't. I don't know. what. It's so. I mean, look, politician doublespeak is bad enough. But the fact that we're in an era where we dissect everything everyone says to find some kernel of truth to it or to find out the true motive. Yeah. Fucking exhausting. That's such a good point. You know, like, I mean, look, politicians have always been or people in government, you know, it's never it's not like we've had 
like total transparency, you know, in this sort of thing ever. Mm -hmm. But at least I wasn't picking apart everything someone said or everything someone, anybody around him, anybody Mm -hmm. in his administration. I'm like, what do you really mean by this? Yeah. What's your true motive? What do you actually mean? What's the truth? Anyway. Yeah. Moving on. We are we are existential today. I know. <laughs> it's a very existential time. AG leaves for one day. I know. <laughs> all right. I know. She's all she's all about facts and whatever. <laughs> so talk about things that happened. Fine. Um but yeah, I, I, I completely agree with you. That's a very, very good point that mm. I hadn't really thought about. Even though we sit here and we do it every day, it yeah. it's it doesn't really um register, I guess, when it's mm-hmm. happening. But yeah, normally you would just read through the news and just be like, "Cool, that's what happened." Mm-hmm. And now it's like, one, was it? Yeah. Two, are they? Is this a stunt? Yeah. I, I like really. I mean, it's how we should probably have been interpreting news the entire time. It's it's just so out in the open now that we are ten times more skeptical than we used to be because at least before we were placated and fooled into thinking that things were true. Yes. So and then facts were facts. So then right. like Fox News was reporting extent. the same facts more or less at mm-hmm. least but now it's like alternate you've realities. got a shadow policy right. you know fucking news network and then like what actually happened news network <laughs> if we ever start our own network i want it to be called what actually happened <laughs> network um uh, cool. yeah well that's the hot notes on the other sweet. side of this block we have good news good news we'll see you on the other side sweet Hi friends, this portion of the Daily Beans is brought to you by Raycon. Everything is going wireless today, and thank goodness, because I hate unwinding a million cords every time I want to listen to a podcast on my earbuds. Recently, I've been looking for a great pair of wireless earbuds that won't cost me an arm and a leg. I'm excited to share with you guys that I finally found some really excellent and inexpensive wireless earbuds from Raycon. Raycon earbuds start at about half the price of any other premium wireless earbuds on the market, and they sound just as amazing as other top audio brands you know. And Raycon's last model, E25, is their best one yet, with six hours of playtime, seamless Bluetooth pairing, more bass, love that bass, and a more compact design that gives you a nice noise-isolating fit. I love how comfortable Raycon's wireless earbuds are. They're perfect for on-the-go listening and for taking phone calls. And unlike some other wireless options, Raycon earbuds are both stylish and discreet with no dangling wires or stems. Raycon was co-founded by Ray J, and celebrities like Cardi B and Melissa Etheridge are obsessed with Raycon's. Pick up a pair and see what the hype is all about. Now's the time to get the latest and greatest from Raycon. Get 15% off your order at buyraycon.com slash dailybeans. That's buyraycon.com slash dailybeans for 15% off Raycon wireless earbuds. Buyraycon.com slash dailybeans. All right, welcome back, everybody. It is time for the good news book, which is going to be Maestro by Amanda. Mm. Alrighty. So it's weird to me that this is a good news story because you think that this would just be something that should happen, but I'm going to call it good news. The Senate passed a bipartisan war matters resolution legislation today, which is rad. So the, th- the Senate on Thursday passed a war powers resolution aimed at preventing Trump from launching military action against Iran without congressional approval. Good news. The nation should not be at war without a vote of Congress, said Senator Tim Kaine of Virginia, the lead sponsor of um, Resolution 68. The resolution passed by a vote of 55 to 45 with the support of eight Republicans. 
um, and now heads to the Democrat-controlled House of Representatives, where it is expected to pass. This is it's a strange thing to put in good news, I guess, but it gives me some comfort to know that this that this was a bipartisan effort, and that yeah. um, and that you know at least to some extent, Trump, while he remains in office, will be somewhat prevented from. Yes, <laughs> I'm surprised. Acts of war. I'm surprised that like that many senators voted for it, Republican senators. Yeah, but then like. If that many did it, then why not more? Right. Like, it's kind of like a large group of, yeah, you know, break offers. It is. Mm. Yeah. I don't see here in the article exactly which Republican senators uh, voted for it, but we'll, fo- we'll follow up on this on yeah, Sunday. totally. Yeah, we'll come back to it. So that's my first good yay. news story. Thank you. Yeah, yay. Um, yay that Trump no can't. No war. Yeah. Launch us into war without Congress's approval. Yes. Yay. Great. Um, slightly different direction for the next story. Um, this is kind of a cool one. Um, you know, if climate change is on your mind as much as it is on mine, the biggest municipal solar farm in America is coming to Cincinnati. Oh, very interesting. Yes. yes. Um, in 2017, when the Trump administration withdrew from the Paris Climate Agreement, um, this, you know, important international treaty that attempted to avert climate catastrophe by cutting global emissions that we haven't been doing well on. Um, John Cranley, who is the Democrat mayor of Cincinnati, Ohio, joined other mayors across the country to announce his intention um, to remain faithful to the agreement's primary goal of keeping the rise of global temperatures below 1.5 degrees. Um, and he had a, uh, in 2018, they announced a mandate, the city of Cincinnati, uh, for um, for uh, carbon neutrality by 2035. So. Uh, so yeah, so they 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 forged ahead and they plan to create the largest municipal municipal run solar farm in the country and 2 years later they've done it. That's very cool. Very fucking cool. This really is a big deal, says someone named Gregory Whetstone who heads the American Council on Renewable Energy. Um so so it's it's pretty rad. It's very exciting. That's very cool. Yeah, and you know, they're saying that basically on like a hot clear summer day it's going to power enough to, for all the city's utilities that's amazing yeah jesus christ really rad god damn it yeah. everybody do that yeah it's fucking go rad. cincinnati hell yeah so I'm yeah i'm just gonna start singing cleveland rocks for some reason <laughs> <laughs> wrong city <laughs> right state wrong city oh god yeah anyway. but i love i love that and like honestly this is a this is a real point of interest for me so please tweet at us with your good news stories to do with climate change stuff because i need some of that right now yes um i feel a particular amount of existential dread around climate yeah that um, is, um, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. That is like, that is what the Green New Deal can look like. But, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, and then a couple quick little listener good news things from some of our uh, fans on Twitter. From Christine. After 15 years, my husband finally agreed to see a shrink for his PTSD that has gotten worse and worse after, after each deployment. And he's even agreed to medication. And holy shit, I have never seen his him smile this much oh my in 15 God. years. That's so cool. So I love that. Um, from a user named at Fan of Walt, he said, I'm getting a lot of positive response from texting folks in Nevada. Lots of people there are fired up to vote. Yes. So I love that. Yay. Congress. Hell yes. We got a tweet from someone who has username I cannot pronounce. I'm sorry. P-O-G-M-O. Yeah, we'll retweet you. Anyway, they say, I became a Daily Beans patron. Fuck you, Bloomberg. <laughs> <laughs> this podcast ain't for sale. Hashtag integrity is priceless. Aw, um, Thank you. Thank yeah. you so much. You're welcome. A couple more quick ones because I just had to read these because this is amazing. Someone tweeted at us. Uh, who is it? Uh, what's their username? Terry Anderson. 
I saved a life holding a slash leg together and barking instructions at everyone until an ambulance arrived. Holy shit. I know. And then... Wait, sorry. Can you repeat that one more time? Yes, I can. I saved a life holding a slashed leg together. Okay, yeah. I heard that right. Hell yeah. Wow. Get it, Terry. Yes. Uh Also, that must have been pretty traumatizing for a lot of people that were there. Uh And I hope you're doing okay with that. Right? Yeah. But that's really incredible. Good Samaritan fucking beans listeners. Yes. And then this one is from um, Mariah Harden. And she says, I got to vote early in the North Carolina primary and it felt so good to finally be able to do something. Yes. So... Yes, we love it. We love it. Good news. Thank you so much for sending all that stuff. Thank you so much for compiling all of that stuff. You are welcome. Fantastic good news blog host. No, thank you very much. I want to just the name, the username I could not pronounce. uh, I have it open now. Their at is hypocrisy hunter. So oh yes, yes. So I just want to clarify that. Um. So yeah. So good news. Yes, very Mm -hmm. good news. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, all right. Well, that's our good news block. And to wrap up, I just wanted to say a couple things. Uh, number one, yesterday we were talking a lot about Jeff Bezos. I think some people got the impression that I was like sucking his dick and I did not mean to give that impression. <laughs> I am generally not a huge fan of huge corporations and know that he has made a lot of decisions that are uh, harmful to a lot of really important groups in society. But in the, uh, you know, just looking at the court case that he's involved in, I guess that's good. If he's suing the president, I'm happy. <laughs> Redeem for yourself that. by suing the president. <laughs> for, yeah, for that for that thing. Maybe not full redemption or whatever, you know. Maybe but, let your um, warehouse workers pee and give them better e- pay. Exactly. Et cetera. <laughs> yes. Labor stuff and small business stuff, NRA TV stuff. Et cetera. You know, yeah. really just money stuff, Yeah, which makes sense. Mm-hmm. People don't become the richest person in the world by... Uh, Shaking hands and kissing babies only. <laughs> if only. If only. That was a poem. Wait, no, it wasn't. That was just only two times. <laughs> Low bar. Alrighty. <laughs> and Anyways. you call yourself a comedian. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, all right. Um, next on the list is Patreon. Just mm-hmm. a reminder, if you're not a patron of this podcast, that is something that you can do. Uh, if you go to patreon.com slash the daily beans, it's the daily beans, right? Yes. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Not just daily beans. The daily beans. Patreon.com slash the daily beans. Uh, become a patron there and you will get ad-free episodes. You get access mm-hmm. to our all-patron Facebook group, which is a really cool group of folks. There's mm-hmm. community. You get merch. You get opportunities that other people won't get, like access, early access to VIP meet and greet tickets when we go on tour. We're going to start a video feed in here, which is going to be fun. And if you become a patron of Daily Beans, you automatically become a patron of our other sister podcast, Muller She Wrote. And there's perks uh, that get wrapped up with that as well. So um, please consider it. Mm-hmm. We would love that to all of our patrons that we already have. Thank you so much. You seriously like built this podcast mm-hmm. with us and we love you so much. Um, and you're all fantastic. Yeah. Yay. And finally, this is a bummer note, uh, but we felt it very necessary to have a little bit of um, a moment of silence and thought for our network CEO, uh, Jason's dog, Oliver. Oliver mm-hmm. passed away and Oliver was truly like the light and soul of the office of Starburns Audio and truly just like, I can't imagine how devastated he is. Mm-hmm. and. We just wanted to send out good thoughts to their family. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and to anybody else that's lost 
a pet companions like that mm-hmm. are few and far between and very it's really really hard to lose one so absolutely sending you guys love. sending love yes uh other than that do you have any final thoughts i do not all right i'm gonna i'm gonna go go to yoga tonight that sounds mm-hmm. lovely hell yeah yes uh i am doing a galentine's day show of Aww. all women it's an all women stand-up show that's cute very cute very progressive <laughs> support women in comedy fuck yeah also a reason to join patreon also happy valentine's day for those of you listening yes. on thursday for patrons you'll hear it tonight but for those of you listening on friday happy valentine's day hope you get laid <laughs> yeah <laughs> all right uh that is it thank you everybody for listening um take care of yourselves take care of each other take care of the planet take care of your mental health i've been jordan coburn i have been amanda reader and this is the daily beans (laughs) is that what we say it's fine (laughs) the daily beans is executive produced and directed by ag and jordan coburn and engineered and edited by Mackenzie mazell and starburns industries our marketing manager executive assistant production and social media direction is amanda reader fact checking and research by ag jordan coburn and amanda reader Our music is written and performed by They Might Be Giants. Our web design and branding are by Joelle Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. And our website is dailybeanspod.com.